Hello, this is futurist Gert Leonhardt. These are my keynote speeches as podcasts. It is my great pleasure to contribute the keynote today to the InnoFest in Slovakia. Dear Prime Minister Eduard Heger, dear Jan Kosturiak, President of Innovato, dear members of the Innovato Network, all the rep representatives of public and private sectors, it's a great pleasure to have you here today. I'm going to speak to you about the future, the opportunities and the challenges and what I call the DDR. I'll explain in a second what that means. It's not about East Germany. So as we're going into that future, we are seeing right in front of us that in a way you could say science fiction is becoming science fact. You know, this famous scene from Blade Runner with the flying taxis in our reality. I just spoke at the IAA in Munich and, and I was looking at uh, examples of flying taxis right there. So if we're looking around, I mean, it's, it's everywhere we're seeing science fiction becoming kind of real, like self-parking cars and virtual reality rooms. This is the one that Facebook just launched, uh, VR workspaces, and of course the dancing robots and the possibilities of robots doing things that were unheard of just 10 years ago. Truly, we're living in amazing times and Slovakia is really well positioned to participate in this because like most small countries like Switzerland where I live, Slovakia is in a position to move quicker and has a flatter curve of decision making and has lots of talent. So this is an important uh, angle on where Slovakia will fit into that mind-bogglingly fast-changing future. We're going on this COVID times in kind of a yeah, rebound, yeah, that would be a little bit optimistic to say right now, it's still very tough, but we're heading towards a place to where we're going to learn a few things from the COVID crisis. Where we're coming out in a way, some people would even say, a kind of strange golden era that may unfold in front of us after we're out of the COVID rebound. And I, I really think it's about three main things that are going to be our opportunity here. And of course, all opportunities are also challenges, policy challenges, private challenges. So it's not going to be a, 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 just a, a, a bed of roses, but there's lots of opportunities. First, digitization. Everything is going to be digitized. Everything is going digital technology, holds all the cards clearly. Second one, decarbonization, right? Basically moving to uh, the sustainable economy, circular as the new normal. I'll explain in a second. And of course, reformation, the change of how we do things, the change of society, the change of capitalism, very big topic, not an easy topic, I'll leave it to the end uh, to ponder about this. And the future of Europe clearly is at stake. Uh, we have done well, I believe, in finding consensus for many things, including the COVID crisis, the vaccines, and artificial intelligence regulation, and all those things. But our opportunity is going to be these three sectors, right? I call it the three bigs. So big tech and big science. And we are doing really well with that here in Europe. And we're not comparable to Americans and, and the powerhouses of Silicon Valley, but we have lots of great research, especially your country, to where a lot of innovation in um, mechanical engineering and so on have been taking place for quite some time. Big opportunity, the next really bigger one actually is what I call Big Green. Changing the entire world around us to go towards sustainable economics to go towards a circular economy, to do away with fossil fuel, to solve climate change. This is a challenge, yes, but it's hundreds of trillions of dollars of new business, new way of doing things. We have to change our economic logic to make that work. And what goes with that, of course, is 
big policy. Some people would say big state, I don't really like the word, but I think big government is here. Government has to be involved in making all the principal decisions and helping us to go into that future. The role of government has greatly increased and we have to really rely on government, on good government, on smart government, on digital government to bring us forward into that future. Look at the great examples like New Zealand, Iceland, Norway, Finland, as opposed to other countries that didn't have wise governance. This is going to be so crucial. All politicians and all leaders have to have kind of a driver's license for the future, an authority of being able to speak and to uh, devise the future. Because we're moving in the future where it's no longer just about technology, you know, the cloud and the Internet of Things and all the things that we read about. It's not just about that anymore. It's not just about digital transformation, the ticket to the future. It is a social, societal transformation. And on top of that, it is a human transformation. Right? It's a transformation of what we do as people, who we are as people. Imagine about uh, genetic engineering, artificial intelligence, the change of the workplace, automation. Uh, we have to look at the whole thing together. So I would implore you to take a look at, at the holistic approach to this and think of a wider way of looking at the future, not just as, as, as a, a source of revenues or jobs, but to look at society and human transformation at large. We're in this world, moving away from this concept of ecosystems, which has been widespread in industry for a long time, if you think about Microsoft 30 years ago, and lately maybe even Apple and uh, other companies like this in the past, but now we're moving into ecosystems. And Apple has realized this just in the recent court decision. Um, uh, where Apple is discussing how to become a better ecosystem. Right? We have to become an ecosystem of services, experiences, products, and we have to collaborate. The only way forward to solve our really large problems, energy, water, food, security, disease, we have to collaborate. And this is where the United States of Europe comes in, in my view. We're going to unite much more than we are now. This is coming. Slovakia so can play a very big role here as a small country to set the tone of how this could happen. Take an example from Ego to Ego, as I was just in Munich two weeks ago at the IAA, the car show. Uh, the entire car industry is now moving away from cars being at the center, but now it's all about mobility. The show is actually called IAA Mobility now. So as an example, the ego system of cars is about owning a car, uh, about going to gas stations, regular gas stations, and filling up the car, about container ships, and basically sort of owned properties. And now we're moving into the future where it's about sharing, where it's about access and not ownership, where the whole thing is becoming an ecosystem. Right? So it's all about digital technology being in the middle and then you rent your car, you lease a car, you subscribe to your car, uh, you share a car. It's a whole different way of looking at that future. Does it mean less money for the industry? It does not. But there's a deep valley in between those two that has to be bridged by being faster and being more understanding about where that future goes. In my view, it's really all about this when we think about the ecosystem. We have to really understand that business as usual as we know it, the idea of continuing as we always have, is kind of no longer an option. Business as usual is dead or dying. And think about this for a second with the business that you support or supported in Slovakia. Now there's new opportunities for, the, for example, the entire car industry is now ready for new ways of thinking, for example, about chips. 
and about the use of computers. Very, very big job, microelectronics and, and, and the entire digitization of that process. A huge opportunity to help the car industry reinvent and, and go into the future. As we're going clearly here, right, a multi-layered future of many different options about mobility and transport, all of them going to be sustainable and green. The energy for that has to be generated. Talking about the most giant shift in any, any industry is going from the gas-guzzling car to the shared electric and maybe even autonomous vehicle. Great articles about, if you just look on the web, of course, you know, automatics are gearing up for the all-electric future. This is a great opportunity for you guys. Right? Next generation mechanical engineering, digitization infrastructure, microelectronics, hydrogen technologies, that's all very big in Slovakia, I hear. And I perceive that as a really big opportunity to invest and, and to design the future. Um, I recently made a film on these three topics, right? Big green, uh, big blue, and of course, big government, which is, I don't know, big, big, big black, I don't know. <laughs> but it's called The Good Future. And you can find it at thegoodfuturefilm.com. Or just Google for The Good Future, guard my name, and you'll find it. But it talks exactly about this. Very important topic. We have to define what is good and what is a good future. What is a good future for Europe? What is a good future for Slovakia? What is a good future for your people, for your business, for society? And that's why I'm so happy we have this, this Innovato InnoFest event here so we can talk about it and I can answer your questions on this later uh, in our live chat. But really this is to me the recipe for the good future. Digitization, technology, decarbonization, moving to a green economy and reforming what we want from society, reforming our economic logic, reforming what we think about what we want and how we're going to get there. That's all already in progress. Let's start with digitization. Uh, basically, it's warp drive into a digital future and the corona crisis has brought this forward. Everybody's going online, everybody's going remote, everybody's going virtual and you ain't seen nothing yet. In a couple of rooms, uh, years, we'll, we'll be in virtual rooms augmented reality rooms, wearing augmented glasses, uh, go, using holograms. It'll be like WhatsApp, right? Everybody's using holograms. And that is also going to be quite scary. It's not all just good. But we're going into the future. Look at these numbers just in the COVID crisis. And this is pan-European, uh, I think, numbers. So basically e-commerce and remote working, telemedicine, remote learning, online entertainment, all of the boosts uh, I think the CEO of Microsoft said the other day, there's been more digital transformation in the past 12 months than the previous 10 years. And I think the adoption rate is just mind-boggling. So huge opportunity, also big challenge, because we want everybody to be uh, partake in this revolution, in this, uh, in this digital revolution, and ultimately also the next one, which is a sustainability revolution. We want everybody to take part in this, so we have to take care of the digital divide and we have to think larger. Alvin Toffler, one of my favorite futurists and one of the most important people in the futurist business and in the futurist movement, you could say, who wrote a book called Future Shock. He talks about how basically what's changing around us in technology is not just a tiny picture of like one thing that changes, for example, a different chip or a different way of doing things, is, is a framework, is all of it put together. And this is what's happening right now. This is the opportunity and of course the challenge. Big data, cloud computing, the Internet of Things, quantum computing, language understanding, artificial intelligence, the blockchain, 3D printing, virtual reality and genetic engineering all coming together. You can Google more about this. Just look for GERD and Game Changers and you'll find lots of stuff. But this is the picture that's changing and we have to be aware of the speed 
and how quickly that's all coming together and causing what I, I called in my last book the mega shifts. And you can download this chapter for free at megashifts.digital in 10 languages. Uh, unfortunately, not Slovak, but many other options exist. And that's the result of the game changers. You know, we're basically seeing our society moving towards personalization, cognification, smart systems, virtualization, digital twins, robotization, uh, mobilization, of course, screenification. I mean, everything is the Asians, as they used to jokingly call it. And that is the result. So study this and think about how that's going to change your life, because that's basically all happening at once now. The really important thing about exponential change is that not that it's, that it's not linear, that it's leaping, but it's all coming together, right? Essentially sort of compound effects of all technologies coming together. That is the ticket for the next 10 years. That's where we're going. And many people are worried about this, of course, because, you know, you can think about the future. You can say, okay, data is the new oil. That, that could be amazing. And this is already 15 years old. I said that 15 years ago. But... It's also kind of a new plutonium, which is not so good. It you know, can be used as a weapon. Look at Facebook and other social media using essentially uh, our data as a weapon of, of selling advertising and breaching our privacy and so on. Very, very big topic. So we can think positively or negatively, but I think we should keep a positive view and think about how we can solve these issues. But artificial intelligence is now kind of the new electricity. It's the power that flows to the network that makes it smart. That's the ticket. The cloud is the new office and in many ways also the living room. We are going to keep working from home. We're going towards a hybrid working society, basically sort of a hybrid scenario, a hybrid workplace. And clearly virtual reality and augmented reality is the key to sort of seeing things differently, our new senses. And that in many ways, of course, can be quite troublesome because how we're going to control this how we're going to get not addicted and all that cool stuff. Uh, big topic about digital ethics, which I'll mention in a, in a second, but in this future, these four things that I've listed here, they're coming and this is the key question, how are we going to make it good? Right? How are we going to make sure this uh, technology remain 99% good? Can't be 100%, right? but it definitely should not be 50-50. Uh, and that will take supervision by government, by smart politicians, by uh, people who are, of course, CEOs of companies, of business, is to make it responsible and accountable and transparent. Definition of ethics, very important, is knowing the difference between what you have the right or the power to do and what is the right thing to do. That is one of the key requirements for the future. That's why I'm happy, happy we're having this inner fest event so we can talk about what all that means. And what is the right thing to do? Well, that is a complicated question, of course. It's not a black or white question, because the answer is always, it depends. Like when we use artificial intelligence, you know, we need to make sure that we keep on the human factor in there. Diversity, privacy, disclosure, human autonomy. We shouldn't machines over, have machines overwrite uh, what we want and how, how, what decisions we make if they are crucial to us. We should keep the human in the loop at all times. I call that HITL, right? Keep the human in the loop. And that is crucial when we think about the future of AI. So we can use all the benefits, but we still uh, can maintain sort of the security and safety part. Because here's the reality, we're kind of merging, right? Technology and humanity are coming closer and closer uh, with the mobile devices, with the cloud, with the Internet of Things, and of course, ultimately, with virtual reality and AI. But the bottom line is that the more that we connect with technology, the more we must protect what makes us human. 
Because what makes us human is not technology. This is things like storytelling and, and foresight and uh, innovation and creativity and mystery and privacy and changing your mind, all of the things that make us human, they are very little to do with all the data science in terms of just running on data. Algorithms, organisms are really two different things and organisms certainly, in my view, aren't algorithms. And when we think about data, as I said earlier, we have to make sure that we are protected because at a certain level it's outside of our own sphere, of our private sphere. For example, in social media, this is all going to be about consumer protection and our rights. And I see a, a great trend in that direction to make sure we can keep our data safe and secure. Also a great opportunity for Slovakia, for example, secure private hosting and data hosting like uh, Switzerland, Luxembourg and Austria have been looking at. So I think we should think about something like a digital ethics council I proposed in many countries, I think Denmark has one now, Singapore has one now. Uh, for Slovakia, how are we going to do the right thing with technology? Not if the right thing is going to make money. That's not enough of a question. Right? It has to make money and be the good thing for us. Right? It has to be thinking about the good future in a larger context. Moving on to topic number two, decarbonization. Taking the carbon out, stopping the burning of fossil fuel, changing towards a green economy, that is by far the biggest opportunity for all of us because we're, thinking, we're talking about changing the entire operating system of the globe, which is based on fossil fuel. It's quite clear now that we are this fork in the road, right? We are at a moment to where we may have 10 years to actually do this. We don't have 30 years. It may be irreversible by then. The numbers are really totally clear. This is a fork in the road moment. We have to make dramatic decisions and whoever doesn't come along will not be part of the economy because the only economy we'll have in 10 years is the circular economy. Look at some of the statistics here which are pretty hair-raising. You certainly don't want to have that conversation at a dinner party and spoil the party. But looking at the worst case emission scenarios, 500 million climate refugees within roughly 30 years. And of course, the, the real factor is that developing countries are now gearing up to become the biggest polluters, China and India and many others, because they want to catch up. They want to do what we did. We'll probably have to pay them not to do that. Uh, that's the idea of the carbon coin and the Global Carbon Initiative. But you know, it's totally clear when we look at footage like this, this is from Google Time Lapse. Um, and so what the last 20 years have done, not only have we completely changed the world and created more biomass than the, than the uh, mass of the planet, right, we've also really stepped up in just 20 years. The entire output has just quadrupled in terms of the PPMs. I mean, mind-boggling, yeah, I wouldn't say progress, <laughs> mind-boggling developments. And we have to be aware of what um, Mark Varney, the former governor of the Bank of England, said in 2015. This is a tragedy of the horizon. We don't see the horizon that clearly. It's not like COVID. It's 10, 20, 30 years away, further away. And we may have no incentives to fix it if we don't think about what future you want. This is a question you must ask yourself. What future do you want for your kids, for your grandkids, not just for yourself? That is a key question when we think about this future. Basically, COVID-19 was a test run, is a test run for climate change. All the change that we need to make, all the involuntary things, all the painful things, all the rule breaking, that is only the beginning. I think about climate change being X100. And I tell you, whoever is prepared for this, this is the ticket for economic progress. This is the ticket for the future as part of the DDR 
outline that I showed you earlier. We're going into a future where dramatic things, for example carbon tax, are becoming the new normal. So what used to be unthinkable, carbon tax for flying, carbon tax for eating meat, I'm not a vegetarian but this is coming, carbon tax of course for all kinds of industrial processes, but that is going to be the ticket to raise the trillions, hundreds of trillions that we'll need to fuel this economy. Unthinkable is becoming the new normal. Whoever understands that first has the ticket to the future, not just to monetize but also to have a better future. Looking at the end of oil, I mean it's hard to imagine, right, but this is just 10 years down the road, oil, gas, coal is already on the way out. Divest your money, go into new eras, you know, areas that are sustainable, circular, ESG of course, without wanting to be a fig leaf operation there, that's a very big topic. We're going into a world that is basically no longer about extracting natural resources, which is something that many uh, countries have banked on, like Brazil, Venezuela, of course the US and Russia. Now it's about creating new resources, right? The creation economy, the digital economy, the economy of ideas, and this is where small countries like Slovakia can really win the prize, because that is all about coming up with concepts that work everywhere. Think about all the big successes in the last decade, of course, digital companies, right? creation of ideas, creation of new things. That is where the money is going. This is why we're here at InnoFest talking about how we can create an economy that is based on creation, not on extraction. Very, very key point, as I was saying earlier about the fork in the road. This is basically the biggest opportunity. Green is the new digital. And you've gone big on, on digital and that's good and continue down that road, <clears throat> but now it's time to go big on green. Green is the new digital and sustainable is the new profitable. That leads me to my last topic, reformation, system change. We must change our system to reward different behavior, to go beyond GDP, to go beyond jobs and profit because that has reached the ceiling and we're constantly jamming against the glass plate on the ceiling and nothing is moving anymore. We are now in a different way of thinking about this world as we're approaching the three giant waves of change, of course COVID-19, giant wave of change of healthcare and medical thinking and, and all of the uh, different global debates that we're having about the vaccine. But the next big wave, 100x really, is climate change and beyond that a new economic logic of thinking larger. If we don't think larger, we don't think collectively, we don't think collective benefit, we're not going to solve even the COVID crisis, never mind the climate crisis. So we're going to be in a place where we can't solve anything because in the end it's always going to cost money and wrong money in the wrong places like uh, carbon fossil fuel subsidies and so on. So in this world clearly the opportunity is to think larger than Milton Friedman. You've seen this since the 70s has been the dominant paradigm that basically it's a job of a corporation to make money, right? to increase its profits. And that worked well for a while, but now we're in a different ballgame because reformation, not in the sense of Martin Luther, right? but an economic reformation of a reset, it's the act of making an improvement to change the structure of something. And the structure of capitalism is changing. I don't know what that means in practical terms in terms of finding a better word for it, but I sometimes call it post-capitalism or sustainable capitalism, Al Gore. But we're inventing basically what the purpose is of what we do. Let's hear from Mark Benioff, who is a brilliant analyst of the current scenario. We do, we need a new capitalism. 
we need a capitalism that's more fair, more equitable, more sustainable capitalism, uh, capitalism that values not just all shareholders, but also all stakeholders. And if we can put those things together, I think it can be a new capitalism. It'll be very exciting for everybody. Yeah, well, he's, he's very right on this. And the new paradigm is not just going to be profit and growth and more money and, and better stock performance. It's going to be what I call people, planet, purpose and prosperity, what John Elkin and many others have called people, planet, profit. I go one step further by injecting the word purpose. You know, what is it all about and what do we want to reach? What kind of future do you want to have? This could be a ticket, especially again for small countries, is to formulate a new purpose of what society does and where we are going. And there are a lot of great examples, again, that fork in the road moment towards a good time or the bad time. Many examples that, that we're having in the vaccine debate. If we're going to solve this problem, we'll only be happy if everybody's happy. We'll only be safe if everyone is safe. We're going to end up giving the vaccine to everybody around the world, no matter what the financial conditions are, kind of a creative commons approach. And it has been uh, set forth which, that we should do away with the patterns of the pharma industry. Big t discussion, not a black or white solution, but this is coming. We also have finally a global corporation tax that's going to come in effect next year, 15% for no matter where you are and what you do. That's when 50 years in the making finally has been kind of signed off and it seems to be coming very quickly. We have oil companies now being redone by their shareholders uh, to think about decarbonization. This is all talking about a new destination in life, people, planet, purpose, and of course the European Green Deal, which you're very much part of. That is going to rewrite our society. That is a huge opportunity. It will be painful to change our behavior. But we're not talking about degrowth here. We're talking about a different kind of growth, sustainable growth, growth that we can actually afford. Think of this as a sort of ticket, a recipe for the future. Could this be the country brand of Slovakia uh, around those four Ps? And what does it mean? And how would we install this? And how would we propagate this? And the question is, would it help us? Would it help you to bring talent and people back to Slovakia or incite them to stay because there's excitement uh, there. I mean, why do people leave or come and go? This is a very important question about attracting talent and, 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 and filling the momentum and helping people to feel that this is their home where they want to be because it's an exciting place to be. I want to wrap up about basically saying, okay, what do we do with all that now? And many people listen to futurists and they say, okay, that's been great, but so what? Let's answer that question if we can. Now we need to change the way that we look at our work and what we do as humans. We have to move up from the very simple uh, way of working in the past, which now machines can do to a large degree, just logic, intellectual knowledge, data and information. Well, machines are learning that and they're getting very good at it. And AI is going to be able to answer most simple questions. But the real part of what humans are doing is much higher on this pyramid. Think of it like Maslow, take two, right? So deeper knowledge tacit knowledge, understanding, wisdom, purpose. I mean, that is real understanding is beyond computers, right? They, logical understanding is different. But zeros and ones don't make understanding. It is about the context. It's about what makes us human. It's about imagination, intuition. It's about foresight, all insights, all the things that we have. And it's going to take both, of course. But here's the key. I think for any small country, as far as education in the future is concerned, it's going to be about technology, science, uh, technology, engineering, and math, of course, but underneath all of that is what I'll call hickey. 
humanity, ethics, creativity, and imag imagination. Another word, kind of art. Uh, as Steve Jobs used to say, art and technology, right? This is what we're creating. In my view, that is the underpinning of success in the future. Not just science and technology, not just engineering. The world isn't going to be solved just by technology and by science. We need decision makers. We need people who have influence. We need people with ethics. We need people who can tell stories. We need people who have imagination. And people who are leaders are not going to be leaders just because of logic. I mean, of course, that depends very much on where you're coming from and what your talents are. But I would vote all for bringing the humanities back in school, along, of course, with science and technology. Because this is the reality. We are surrounded by technology, and we have to understand it better. But not everybody has to be a programmer. You know, we also need people who are helping us to sort of reprogram what we are and help us rethink about the future. I think we need to get ready for a new human renaissance. Bringing humanity back, feelings, emotions, emotional intelligence, foresight, intuition, imagination, storytelling, mystery, serendipity, privacy, story goes on. Even if it's less efficient than a machine, it will be crucial to invest the same in humanity as we invest in technology. I know that is a challenge when we think about the ticket for the future because it's going to require more investment in general. But the bottom line really is this. In the end, it's going to be about the interplay between those two things, about algorithms, technology, and about androrhythms, the human things, the things that make us work. We don't work better when we get more data. Yeah, it, processes work better when we get more data. But for humans, it's all going to be about these things, and that's what our children have to learn. That is the ticket to the future, along with science and technology, is to be a better human. Our ultimate job is to be human. That's the only job we'll have in the future when technology can handle most of the other jobs. So here's the ticket to the future. Awesome humans on top of amazing technology. That's where the money should be going. That's why we should think about a holistic strategy, not just a focused strategy on one era that will take us into the future. So as we're going down the road with the game changers and the mega shifts and speeding up like crazy, like somebody hit the warp drive button, this is the important thing about the future. The future is no longer tomorrow. The future is here. And we just haven't really noticed it. The future is a mindset. You want to be successful in your country, you want to be successful in your business and whatever segment you're in is going to be about having the future clearly uh, in mind and looking at it and studying it at least one hour a day. Bill Gates says a five-hour rule of learning five hours a week, roughly an hour a day, about the future. Don't look in the rearview mirror to find the future. We cannot project the future from the past or the present. The past is history, we look at it, we learn from it, we study it, of course, but the future is something that we can define. The future doesn't just drop down on us. So, the future belongs to those that can hear it coming. This is the future mindset. Get yourself some ears, observe, listen, pay attention so you can define your future, and most importantly, apply the paradigm of the DDR, digitize, decarbonize, and reform your society. That's the ticket for the future. Find out more about my work at techvshuman.com, futuristgird.com, and gertube.com on YouTube. Thanks for tuning in.